authority, which came from their blood relationship to Jesus Christ and King David. They were descendants of both, or claimed to be. It sparked a chain of events that ended up in the assassination of Dagobert II, the last effective Merovingian king, and the loss of the title to New Constantine for his descendants. But those Merovingians have taken their right to the title and their right to European supremacy very seriously concerning something that seems to be rooted in something more ancient than the time of Clovis. They believe, because of their descent from Jesus Christ and King David, or maybe because of their descent from an even more illustrious ancestor, in their view, extraterrestrials or Lucifer, that they were already entitled to rule over Europe long before it was sanctioned by any pope. This divine right was recognized by their loyal subjects as well, who saw the Merovingians as semi-divine priest kings and who formed a cult worshipping Dagobert II after his death. After his death. With a following like that, the Merovingians were not about to give up their inheritance without a fight. Less than 200 years later, enter a man named Charlemagne. Another name was Charles the Great. Prime Minister Jean Chrétien traces his lineage back to Charlemagne. The lady who does your Air Canada commercials, Celine Dion, traces her lineage back to Charlemagne. Princess Diana of the Spencer family that moved to England from France and were known as the Despence family traced their lineage back to Charlemagne. He married a Merovingian princess mingling those bloodlines and was made Holy Roman Emperor and he was given dominion over a landmass greater even than any Merovingian king had ever possessed. I'm going to tell you how he got to be Holy Roman Empire Emperor in case you don't know in a few moments. And so began the Carolingian dynasty made up of Charlemagne of men with partial Merovingian blood that blood today is calling the shots in your world. That's why I want to talk about Charlemagne. He was also considered a priest king, as probably the most famous and, and revered figure in French history, which is where Arafat died. We'll get to him later, too. By the way, each king has a scepter. A scepter is a staff or a baton held by a sovereign. It's his emblem of authority. Do you know what Charlemagne's emblem of authority was? He carried with him the spear of destiny. 
that holy relic supposedly bloodied by the wound of Christ. When the Roman soldier pierced his side with a spear. And that spear of destiny is said to confer upon its possessor transcendental power over the entire earth. And while he may not have ruled over the entire world, he actually did have dominion over its largest area. At that time, Western Europe was without a doubt the well, it was the most advanced technological system area in science, philosophy, morality, surrounded on all fronts by uncivilized what they called barbarian hordes. They consider, and history considers, Charlemagne the greatest medieval king of the nine because he unified Europe, was crowned as the Roman Emperor, and became a favorite folk hero for both historical and romantic tales. In other words, the people that are in control of our history vaulted Charlemagne up to the front. The greatest medieval king of the nine, who were the other eight? Hector, Caesar. Are you ready? because you're going to see this motion picture next week, Alexander. Why do you think they're showing you Alexander? It's their relative. That's why. They're making movies. They're making home movies and showing them to you. King Arthur, another one. You've already seen that movie. And, of course, Charlemagne, Godfrey de Villon, Joshua, David, Judas, Maccabeus were the others. Some French authors tried to add a tenth worthy called Bertrand du Gasselin, but it didn't take hold outside of France. That was quashed by the Merovingians, who are in control. And are in control of your world today. It's a view from space on the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. Just got going. Talking about Charlemagne. A descendant of Charlemagne's is Prime Minister Jean Chrétien, Celine Dion, Madonna. And Camilla Parker Bowles. I don't know if you know who she is. That's Prince Charles' girlfriend. So you see how it all kind of fits. Now you know why Celine Dion got all that money. It's not because of her voice. It's because of her bloodline. Because that's how the elite rich operate. More in a minute. It's the new Mojo Radio 640 Toronto on Space. On Charlemagne tonight. Later on, Yasser Arafat and the Illuminati. Occult. Numerology. Signature in his death. Radio 640 Toronto. I'm talking about Charlemagne tonight. 
your former Prime Minister Jacques Rochez, descendant. So is Princess Diana. So is Camilla Parker Bowles. So is Madonna. So is Celine Dion. And Celine Dion was actually born in Charlemagne, Quebec. So you see how it all connects. The greatest of the medieval kings, they call him. Charlemagne, born in 742. Add it up. 742. You get 13. At a place unknown. See, they had the numbers embedded in the events back then. 742 A.D., it was going on. Sacred geometry, numerology, astrology, and the Kabbalah. Now you know where Madonna's coming from with her Kabbalah. Charlemagne was German. Spoke German. The Windsors that are in Buckingham Palace, their real name is Saxe-Coburg-Goth, a German family. Hanoverians. And now with Princess Diana's blood mingled into their son William and Harry, they have joined the two houses of the Habsburgs and the Hanoverians, which started the First World War, which is what November 11th was all about, what we just went through. They made it such a big day. Look at the power of these families. November 11th was just one great large day full of remembrance of one of their events that was designed for the coming of the Antichrist which will arise out of their family. In 771, Carloman died. Carloman II. Charlemagne, Charles, at 29 became the sole king. 29, 2 and 9, 8, 11. He became king at that juncture in his life, 29. And 11 was assigned to it. And of course, any event that is going to aid the Antichrist's arising will have an 11 attached to it. A couple of years later, he received from Pope Hadrian II an urgent appeal for aid against the Lombard, who was invading the Papal States. Charlemagne attacked with his army and took Pavia, assumed the crown of Lombardy, confirmed the donation of Pepin, and accepted the role of the protector of the Church in all its temporal powers. So he saved the Roman Catholic Church, the Vatican, from being attacked and destroyed. At Paderborn in 777, Ibn al-Arabi 
the Muslim governor of Barcelona, asked the aid of this king against the caliph of Cordova. And so Charlemagne, if you remember your history, led an army across the Pyrenees, attacked and captured the Christian city of Pamplona, where they have the running of the bulls now. And he took good care of his Christian friends, but the Basques of northern Spain, he treated them as enemies. They're the ones they tried to blame for the 311 in Madrid at the Ococo train bombing at first. But the Muslims and Al-Arabi promised as part of their strategy against the Caliph failed to appear with their army. Charlemagne saw that his unaided forces couldn't challenge Cordoba, and news came that the conquered Saxons were in a wild revolt and were marching to attack Cologne. So he put his sinking cap on, he led his army back in a long and narrow file through the passes of the Pyrenees. In one of those passes at Roncesvalles at Navarre, where you get your street name from in Toronto, Roncesvalles, a former Basque, a force of Basque, pounced down on the rear guard of the Franks and slaughtered nearly every one of those guys. So he paid a price there, and he was fighting the Muslims back then. You get where I'm going with this? More of Charlemagne on the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. In moments, this is a view from space on the guy they call space. This is 640 Toronto from the 24-Hour News Center. Here's what Toronto is talking about. Funeral services held for a family killed in a house fire and police release autopsy results in a murder. And they got it called Space on the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. You can contact me by phone at 416-870-6400 or star 640 on your cell. I've got couple of e- email addresses if you have some information or uh, you'd like to make a comment. One of them is space at 640toronto.com or spaceman at 640toronto.com. Both of them get through. D. Cole writes from Toronto that no apostle started the corporate church, as I called Charlemagne the 13th apostle being the priest king, the greatest, as history uh, tells us, and we know who writes the history, the greatest medieval king. He also goes on to call the Roman Catholic Church the Hoor Church. And Derek from the UK writes, Space, the number nine has always fascinated me, apart from all the things that you've mentioned, any number that the individual digits add up to nine, the number itself is also divisible by nine. The same goes for three. That's from Derek in the UK. Now, the baseball show, I did a a show about baseball and how numerology is all over it, and the Illuminati actually 
invented the game and laid all those numbers in it, which I believe they did. And that all comes from Pythagoras. It's Pythagorean. Because, you see, he was the first one to set everything to numbers. Everything has a number. Every shape has a number. Every, your table has a number. Your, your computer has a number of width and depth. and They're all numbers. Even music. He set music to numbers. And you'll see the stars of Hollywood, the women, come out wearing a tribute to Pythagoras. It's a Y. And that Y is cleverly disguised in a uh, necklace that goes around the neck and then trails down through the chest, which gives the tail for the Y. And, of course, you can't see the back of the chain or the necklace because of the person's neck. So it makes the shape of a Y, which is the Illuminati sign for Pythagoras. And as I mentioned, he's the father of numerology, setting everything to numbers. All his followers, by the way, were forced to be vegans. He not only controlled what went in their mind, but he also controlled what went in their mouths. He was a cult. A few tricks he learned from the SNs. Google that. E-S-S. E-N-S-E-S. -E and there's a whole incredible gap that might be filled by understanding the ascends and what they stood for. Another email from Wendy says, Hey, Spaceman, just want to let you know I'm listening to you loud and clear from Florida on the Internet. So that's working tonight. Past couple of shows had problems with people connecting to 640toronto.com with the live streaming audio. Now, Charlemagne, as I told you, bailed the Vatican, the church out, the Roman Catholic Church out, also the French, and also the Spanish. He had quite a, quite a career conquering what you would call barbarians and the Muslims. He conquered the Saxons. And then eventually married into that line where you have the Saxon, Saxe-Coburg-Goat, the actual real last name of the Windsors living in Buckingham Palace. Charlemagne drove back the advancing Slavs in 789. And the Avars. And in his 34th year of its reign, and at 63 years old, resigned himself to peace in Derek Bezier 9, 6 and 3. Nine. He was done. See, nine is the number of completion, according to Pythagoras. Because, you see, when you get to nine, you start over again with putting a one and a zero, which it all begins again. So there really are only nine numbers. 
And then we begin again with 10, adding a zero to the one. Numerology. Mathematics is also black magic. You can make those figures jump through hoops. You who are an accountant listening, you know that. In the stock exchange, if you work there, you know they can do that. Charlemagne made military service a condition of owning more than a little bit of property. So he actually founded martial morale on the defense and extension of, your, of, of a person's land. And every free man had to join his army if he called. They had to report in full equipment to the local count. And every noble or rich man was responsible for the military fitness of the people living in his area. So you see how he controlled everything and everyone. He also set up meetings that required the nobles, the elite rich, to report any citizens that were rumored to be plotting against the king or any kind of anarchy that was being planned. You know what he called it? His king wished to know meetings. Charlemagne imported scholars from Ireland, Britain, and Italy, and out of those schools were to come the universities of Europe because he thought that Constantinople now Turkey, Baghdad, and Iraq, and Cordova, Spain, Arabic, didn't produce any great writers. Of course, that's a form of control, is it not? Here's what you will learn. My side of the story. And Charlemagne was profusely generous to the church. At the same time, he made himself the church's master and used church doctrines and personnel as instruments of education and government. Bishops of the church played leading roles in his administration, in his assemblies, in his councils. Out of this intimate cooperation of church and state came one of the most brilliant ideas in the history of statesmanship, the transformation of Charlemagne's realm into what's known as the Holy Roman Empire. He also sent money to distressed Christians in foreign lands. And in his negotiations with Muslim rulers, he insisted on fair treatment of their Christian population. And there were big problems on the way. The Holy Roman Empire had a Greek monarch that already had that title and had full historic right to that title also. The church had no recognized authority to convey or transfer that title, to give it to the rival of Greek orthodoxy. would start a gigantic war of Christian East against Christian West, leaving a ruined Europe to who? A conquering Islam. That's who. What was going on at Greek, in Greece at this time was Irene seizing the Greek throne in 797. Now, some say that there was no Greek emperor and the field was open to anybody to claim it. 
So if this bold scheme could be carried through, there would be again a Roman emperor in the West. Latin Christianity would stand strong and unified against Greek Orthodoxy and threatening Saracens, the Italians. And by the the awe of magic and the imperial name Charlemagne, Europe might unite under Christianity and then take over the ancient world. On December 26, 795, Leo III was chosen Pope, a valiant soldier who was an avowed Muslim. More on that with Charlemagne and the collision next on the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Space. It's a Space. I'm the spaceman on the new 640 Toronto. Take your email at spaceman at 640toronto.com or space at 640toronto.com. Dora's giving me a very interesting email. Herbert Illig's thesis, she says, according to which the whole Merovingian dynasty, even Charlemagne himself, is, are you ready? Fictional. His work is widely reviewed, she writes, and discussed in specialist circles. And following the initial uproar it caused, is step by step being proven correct. And but seems to be suppressed in the English-speaking world. She goes on to say it'd be worth your while to get someone to translate this book on the research material that. Herbert Illig did. I-L-L-I-G is his last name. All the numerology, she writes, connected to Charlemagne and his descendants just proves it's made-up history. So now, when you view the movie Alexander coming out shortly, you can look at it as fictional. Even Troy, when when the movie Troy came out, I just knew it would probably be these people, the Merovingians, who trace their blood lineage all the way back to Jesus Christ, would be involved in this movie, of course. And I found that Yes, that family, the seed of Cain, did indeed end up in that area. And Troy, that war, was actually fought in Britain over tin mines because you needed tin to make bronze as the Bronze Age was dawning. And just as today, as it was then, the person that had the greatest weapon wins the war. That's how they decided the First World War and the Second World War, by giving the side they wanted to win the great weapon. I don't have to tell you how the Second World War ended. That's going to play heavily 
in our future, our not too far future, I'm thinking, because of, well, in light of facts that have happened in the Middle East recently, Arafat's now out of the way. A man Sharon said he would never talk peace with until they get another guy. Now they're going to get another guy. I'll have more on that later on the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto, later tonight. I'm talking about Charlemagne. How he saved the bacon of the Roman Catholic Church. I will tell you in the next hour how Charlemagne became the head of the Holy Roman Empire. A very interesting fairy tale, possibly. But being passed off in our universities as history, the truth. What is it? A myth or truth? King Arthur, myth or truth? <laughs> Arafat, myth or truth? <laughs> the American election, myth or truth? Is that George W. won? Do you see what I mean? It's permeating our culture. Everything you know is a lie. Let me take a quick call. Andrew, go ahead. You're on with the Spaceman. It's the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for patiently waiting. You wanted to comment on The Simpsons? Oh, thanks for taking my call here. I really appreciate it. I've been trying to uh, get a hold of you guys for a little bit now. Um, I'm just curious on Matt Groening's involvement in this whole worldwide plot to bring about the end of things. Well, he works, he, he works for Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch owns The Simpsons. And, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to be ignorant. That's, that matter, that's News Corp. That's Fox Television. Really? Yes. So now is that... And, of on... course, they are Illuminati controlled. Really? So well, Rupert Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch has 117 newspapers under his banner. And wow. uh, he said, I never tell my editors what to write on their editorial pages. But when America attacked Iraq... Every single newspaper that Murdoch controlled had an editorial that was pro-America attacking Iraq. Really? So you can understand where they're coming from there. He also owns uh, uh, a satellite that pumps all the programming into China. So basically, Matt Groening is a puppet of the Illuminati. Absolutely correct, sir. Yes, that's what I'm telling you. The, yes. the episode of may, the may be unwittingly doing it, and... But but you know what? I can't really buy that either because he has to know uh, what to say and how to write it to keep his job and, well, and, and to do the job that he's doing. Go ahead. That's just it. You know, like, you watch them and, like, for instance, uh, the episode about the stonecutters, and that's kind of black and white, but that was all about the Illuminati, it seemed to me. Sure, yeah. And well, it's, uh, what they're doing is they're indoctrinating it. They're fitting it. How, how, how many times do you see pyramids a day? Okay. Uh, on commercials for uh, I'm, look, I'm looking at one right now. I'm, I'm heading Highway 11 right now, and I'm looking at a pyramid. Well, there you go, and thanks for the call, Andrew. It's the Spaceman. The new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm back with more to me.
Capital Radio, 640 Toronto, talking about Shauna Mang. What? Well, he's billed as the greatest medieval king. He was the one who unified Europe. Was crowned the Roman Emperor. He also saved the bacon of the Vatican. And he fought against the Muslims constantly. Not only in France, but also in Spain. Also, he had an opportunity to unite all of Europe under Christianity and drive the Muslims out. All of this setting up the medieval crusades that were coming, but weren't here yet. Irene in 797 seized the Greek throne. He offered to marry her to bring the Greeks into the fold. And if this scheme would go through, then a Roman Empire again would be in the West and Latin Christianity would stand strong and unified against Greek Orthodoxy. And as I said before, he possessed the spear of destiny. The very spear that pierced the side of Jesus Christ. Myth or truth. He had an awe about him, a magic, the imperial name, Charlemagne. On December 26, 795, Leo III was chosen Pope. He was a valiant soldier. The Roman population were turned against him. They accused him of various misdeeds, you could say. He was a professed Muslim. He published an edict, a writing, declaring images, all images, to be idols, forbidden by Exodus 20, verses 4 and 5, and commanded all images in churches be destroyed. And his soldiers actually carried those orders out. So you can imagine throughout the empire how the people were. Whipped into a frenzy. Leo III signed the edict using the title Emperor and Priest. On April 25th, 799, he was attacked, imprisoned, put in a monastery. He escaped and fled for protection to Charlemagne at Paderborn. So the story goes. Where Charlemagne takes him in, then sent him back to Rome under armed escort, the home of the Vatican, and ordered the Pope and his accusers to appear before him there in the following year. On November 24th, the year 800, Charlemagne, history tells us, entered the ancient, ancient capital. On December 1st, an assembly of Germans and Romans agreed to drop the charges against Leo III, the Muslim Pope, if he would deny them on Salamoth. 
He did. And the way was cleared for a magnificent celebration of the Nativity. On Christmas Day, December 25th, a Charlemagne dressed in the chlamys, a short oblong headdress worn by young men of ancient Greek, and sandals of a Roman, symbolically bringing together the Greeks and the Romans, you see. He knelt before St. Peter's altar in prayer. Leo the third suddenly produces a jeweled crown and set it on Charlemagne's head. And the people that were there, who were instructed beforehand, of course, to act according to ancient ritual, confirming the coronation, three times cry out, Hail to Charles the Augustus, crowned by God, the great and peace-bringing emperor of the Romans. So the ritual was done, and the royal head was anointed with holy oil. The Pope saluted Charlemagne as emperor and, August, uh, and Augustus, and offered him the act of homage, which they had not done since 476 for any eastern emperor. You know what? If Charlemagne had known Leo's intention to crown him, he might not have entered that church, because he didn't like the quickness, the speed, and the circumstances on the way the coronation was done. And above all, it did not please Charlemagne to receive the crown from a pope, opening the door to centuries of dispute as to who actually held the power to crown kings. The Carolingian dynasty ended in 918, but the Holy Roman Empire continued to play this incredibly powerful role in the unfolding of this blood lineage's destiny. Because, you see, the Merovingians are interwoven in the Vatican's tale of Christianity. Today, you see it in the number one best-selling novel, according to the New York Times. Dan Brown's book, The Da Vinci Code. It was right at this time that the Empire er, began to turn its sights toward you-know-where. The Holy Land, of course, they wanted it back from the Muslims. Isn't it exactly what we have today? The First Crusade began in 1095. It started again on 11-9, the mirror of 9-11, with the attack on Fallujah. The Crusades are back on. That first crusade, 1095, the entire enterprise was brought about because of the pressure that certain Merovingian descendants placed on the Pope and the nobility of Europe. This pressure ended up in the capture of Jerusalem four years later and the creation of the Latin Kingdom of Jerusalem as part of the Holy Roman Empire. 
the guy who led the capture of Jerusalem, Godfrey de Bouillon, whom they list in history as one of the great nine. Hector, Caesar, Alexander, new movie coming out, Arthur, movie's just been out, Charlemagne, who we're talking about tonight, and Godfrey de Bouillon, also Joshua, David, and Judas Maccabeus are history's nine figures known for their particular qualities of prowess and chivalry. The good guys. Are they? Godfrey de Bouillon, a descendant of Dagobert II, of course, and his brother Baldwin I, was proclaimed king of Jerusalem. The Merovingian descendants considered the Holy Land their rightful possession, you see, just as they do today. I mean, after all, who was it that gave Israel their land in 1948? It was Britain. Who drew up the borders? Sir Winston Churchill. Oh, by the way, checking uh, the lineage of Charlemagne, you will find... Sir Winston Churchill's family entwined. Are you starting to get the picture? It's the new Mojo Radio 640 Toronto, a view from space. Now you can see through the headlines a little more clearly. I'm back with more in a moment on the new Mojo Radio 640 Toronto. Emails at space at 640toronto.com or spaceman at 640toronto.com. I'm a guy that calls space. It's the new Mojo Radio. It's 640 Toronto. This is a very interesting email I got from Michael. It says, Space, you mentioned Alexander a couple of times in the movie. I picked up the Oliver Stone collection recently. Thirteen of his films... That's 13 of his films, plus a bonus disc promoting his new movie, Alexander. We were watching JFK, and my 12-year-old suddenly said, Wait a minute, look at all those Illuminati actors. I bet this isn't really what happened. This is what they think, they make you want to think happened. Sure, there was a conspiracy to cover up who was behind the murder of the president. But this movie is part of the cover-up. And he reminded me that I told him the Illuminati use Hollywood to get their message out. I thought it was pretty good insight for a child. If he's right, the Alexander movie will have an underlying political message as well. Well, what actually I think Alexander is doing out at this particular time, and Troy, the movie Troy, why it's out at this particular time, is because it's about war. Heavy-duty war. Troy was that kind of war where all they had were spears, arrows, and swords. So you never really died that quickly. You died slowly. And most of the time, people were dying from infections rather than the actual wound itself. So it was a slow, agonizing death. And I think this is really the kind of entertainment, 
that you're being fed by the Illuminati so that you will be used to it. Because it's coming again. Because the Merovingian dynasty will not rest until they put their person back to claim in the Middle East and become the king of Jerusalem. You see, the Merovingian descendants consider the Holy Land their rightful possession. Due, of course, to their direct descent from King David and Jesus Christ. And Jerusalem, you see, is in a way their coronation stone, legitimizing their eventual return to the rule of the Holy Roman Empire. They have the United States doing their bidding now. They have dedicated themselves to this goal, and with the help of Baldwin II, the son of Baldwin I, who died shortly after the capture of the Holy Land, a group of knights was formed supposedly to help keep the roads of Jerusalem safe for pilgrims, but its core members were all from the Merovingian Grail families. And they soon went about establishing their own sort of empire throughout Europe, one based on the power of money, the banking institution. The Templars were legally beholden to none but the Pope. And even that they took lightly, so any land controlled by them was essentially an independent principality. They held possessions throughout the continent and controlled major industries, especially banking. Soon, the Knights of the Templar had all the princes of Europe indebted to them. It took the Pope and the King of France colluding against them to get them disbanded for a time, excommunicated, and some of them even burned at the stake before the Templar menace was finally, well, subdued, but not wiped out. Meanwhile, the Merovingian descendants were busy reclaiming the throne of the Holy Empire in another way. In 1273, Count Rudolf of the Merovingian entwined Habsburg dynasty was elected Holy Roman Emperor, and that title stayed within that family until the empire itself collapsed in 1806. Later, it became Habsburg-Lorraine, as the all-powerful families began joining their secret societies together. Interestingly, the empire was ended by Napoleon. Himself, the husband of a Merovingian princess who had consciously attempted to associate himself with a Merovingian mystique. You know what he did? He placed golden bees from the tomb of the Merovingian king, Childeric III, on his coronation robe even. Bees, of course, representing royalty, go all the way back to the ancient Egyptian mystery religion. Isn't it also interesting that Napoleon, not of royal blood himself, but was recognized as an empire, an emperor, and ruled over a pan-European empire, a lot like the one that 
he just crushed. The Habsburgs remained the emperors of Austria. And then Austro-Hungary. And then it ended with the revolution of 1919. Making them the longest reigning European dynasty in history. And their role in European politics wasn't over by a long shot either. It took only 67 years. That's the 13. From the end of the Roman Empire, the Holy Roman Empire, for the Merovingian Grail families to begin jockeying once again for control of Europe. The Knights Templar were the brainchild of another secret society which spawned them the Priory of Sion, which is all over Dan Brown's book, The Da Vinci Code. See, Leonardo da Vinci was also Illuminati. All the ones you study and know about in history are members. That's why they're studied. It's thought control. And their goal? To bring back the Crusades, to set up their kingdom in Jerusalem and to be king of the world as they said in the Titanic the Spaceman the new Mojo Radio 640 Toronto back with more in just a minute or two 416-870-6400 or star 640 on your cell if you've got a comment emails at spaceman at 640toronto.com or space at 640toronto.com child of another secret society which spawned them the Priory of Sion which is all over Dan Brown's book The Da Vinci Code it's an order that's dedicated to putting this Merovingian bloodline back on the thrones of Europe and the Middle East They've sort of mixed in their politics with Christianity. It's sort of a Christian, hermetic, aristocratic mix. They proclaim themselves to be Catholic, Christian, even though the Church of Rome condemned the Priory of Sion. 
They had mystic teachings based on Gnostic truth. Mythological motifs. A preoccupation with origins of men, races, languages. And they're heavy into symbols. They are the one that's permeating. They are the religion that's permeating our society today. And they're taking away the old religion and implanting, supplanting their new one, which is the ancient one of Hermes. Going back to Nimrod, Hermes was the high priest of Nimrod who began practicing black magic again after the flood and was chopped into pieces by his uncle. And his wife picked up the black magic art and continued it. And out it came from Iraq, the cradle of civilization, into Egyptian pharaohs. And from there into your history books, and onto your television screen, and now into your life. They mean to take back Jerusalem. They want to change the world. They want to take away borders. They want a theocracy where nations would be no more than just provinces. And your leader, say your prime minister, just a representative of this area in the service of a world occult government consisting of an elite. That's what's planned. In the book Holy Blood, Holy Grail, they point out that this envisioned scenario is the same as Nostradamus' prophecy about the great king who would come out of the house of Lorraine. Since the Habsburgs are the House of Lorraine. And at the same time, this vision is exactly the same as other cultures throughout the world, throughout history, that have embraced the myth of the king of the world, a legendary, divine, global monarch, who, it's said by those who believe in him, currently lives in the center of the earth physically directing the affairs of mankind and who will incarnate in human form at the end of this struggle you and I, you and I are now witnessing so that he can rule earth directly. This divine global monarch currently living at the center of the earth is called Lucifer. It's also the same story as the King of the Blood of Zion that's written about the infamous Protocols of Zion, which, as the Holy Blood, Holy Grail says, may well have been the minutes of a meeting of the Priory of Zion, 
as it describes a plot by the descendants of King David to take over the world. See, their plan calls for three world wars. The first world war was to transform Russia into a stronghold of atheistic communism. The differences stirred up by agents of the Illuminati between German and British people would be used to ferment this war. And after World War I ended, which we have just past remembered, November 11th, the 11th month, the 11th day, the 11th hour, triple 11. Communism, after that World War I ended, was to be built up and used to destroy other governments and weaken religions. And it's done that. Second World War was to strengthen international communism until it equaled the strength of the United States and Britain. And when it reached that point, it would be contained and kept in check until the final great tribulation, the chaos of World War III. The Third World War, which is to be fermented by the Illuminati between Jews and Muslims with the Christians on the side of the Jews. Isn't that what you're seeing in the Middle East now? That war is to be directed in such a way that all of Islam and Israel will destroy each other while at the same time all the other nations of the world divided will be forced to fight themselves into a state of complete exhaustion physically, mentally, spiritually, and economically. It's already started. In the economic world, World War III has broken out. The already exhausting people with overflow of information you weren't meant to take in the kind of information that we have at our fingertips today. No wonder you find yourself stressed out. Your entertainment is war from Troy, war from Alexander. The relatives, the Merovingian, the dynasties, relatives. The stage is now being set to put the Antichrist Luciferian one world government into operation. The Illuminati in England operates under the Royal Institute of International Affairs and very few people realize that the RIIA is actually the top control level. The man in control of the Royal Institute of International Affairs controls not only the Illuminati, but all Luciferian, satanic, occult operations as well as Freemasonry and all governments. There are similar secret or Illuminati organizations in France and Germany and other nations operating under different names. All of these organizations, including the Council on Foreign Relations, continuously set up front organizations that are infiltrated into every phase of the various nations' affairs. 
At all times, the operation of these organizations were and are masterminded and controlled by the Illuminati. The events surrounding World War I toppled the Western monarchies, and for the first half of the century, Europe was in total chaos. It seemed impossible for current events to be any more out of sync with the goals of the Merovingian bloodline during that time. But the chaos worked to their advantage because it created the need for order. Order through chaos. I've got more coming up. I want to talk about the railroad car that the armistice was signed on November 11th, the 11th hour. That's next on the new Mojo Radio 640 Toronto. This is Abuse from Space. Your news, your views, your city. This is what you see is what you should believe. Really. This is a view from space with Gary Bell, only on the New Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm a on the New Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto, about to tell you about the signing of the armistice, the peace that you've just been remembering last couple days back, November 11th. The events surrounding World War One were supposed to get rid of the Western monarchies and put Europe and the world in total chaos. All along, keeping in sync the goals of the Merovingian bloodline. And it didn't seem like it was, but in fact, it was. The chaos always works to their advantage that they cause because it creates the need for a new order. At the close of the First World War, the League of Nations was formed. It began with 43 countries. And everybody thought, well, that's going to make it impossible for member countries to go to war with each other in the future, so it'll prevent wars. But the League of Nations did not stop the planned World War II. And people clamored even more after the Second World War as the League of Nations was formed and morphed into the United Nations, now 193 member countries, which, of course, had the same effect as the League of Nations. Pretty much powerless. People were manipulated by fear, by way of the media, to believe the contrived danger of the USSR, Soviet Russia, and another balance for it, the United States. At the end of the First World War, Armistice, the peace, was signed in northern France in a little place just outside of Paris. And the forest of Compagnie 
and it was inside of a railroad car. It's a very famous area, this forest of Compagnie. It was a royal hunting ground. It was the summer home of the Merovingians when they took the summer and went to the countryside. It was their cottage. The railway car was parked right on top of the main living quarters, which is why it was picked. It goes back to the 7th century when the Merovingians holidayed in the forest of Compagnie. Joan of Arc was also captured there. And in that railroad car, in that forest, armistice ended World War I. And the peace was signed. Also in 1940, Hitler forced the French to surrender in that same exact spot, in that same exact railroad car. And Hitler, who thought he was the Antichrist, showed his disdain for the Merovingian summer home placement of that railway car, hitched up that railway car, hauled it back to Germany, and burned it. And to this day, the large 15th century palace and other old structures and the palace's historic connotations, connotations attract a lot of tourists. That's where Armistice was signed. A Merovingian connection. During World War II, the Priory was, that's the Priory of Siam, was being led by the poet and the artist Jean Cocteau, who held the post of Grand Master of the Priory of Siam, once dedicated to putting the Merovingians back into Jerusalem, making them the king of Jerusalem and of the world from 1918 until 1963. There was another organization, too, operating under the umbrella of the Priory of Sion, known as the Alpha Galates, led by none other than Pierre Plantard, a direct descendant of Dagobert II, who eventually became Grand Master of the Priory of Sion itself. Now, he claims to have left in '84. So it's not really, clear, not really clear who runs that organization right now, but whoever he is has had some pretty impressive predecessors. Jacques de Molay, Leonardo da Vinci, Isaac Newton was another grand mastery of the prior of science. So was Claude Debussy, among others. I've got more in a minute. It's the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. You've got a view from space. Back in minutes. 
Savage Hall Space on the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. I want to get to Yasser Arafat tonight before the show concludes. I'm talking about Charlemagne. What they say was the greatest medieval king, the priest king, who got the Vatican behind him after he saved their bacon a few times in some skirmishes and crowned him king of the Holy Roman Empire. Part of a dynasty that wants to set up a one-world government. And Jerusalem is its capital. They're working on that now. Yasser Arafat has the 11 assigned to him. So it must mean that this is a large step in the direction of the Antichrist arising. Because you see, the declared objective of the Priory of Sion is the restoration of the Merovingian dynasty and bloodline to the throne of not only the world, but to make its capital Jerusalem. By alliances, intermarriages, this line's also included Godfrey de Bouillon, who captured Jerusalem in 1099 with the Crusades. And they've started again. And other noble and royal families from the past and the present today. De Bouillon was, by legend, a member of the Grail family and by lineage a Merovingian and apparently rightful king to Jerusalem by his descent from David, King David. You know he was aware of this. When he left for the First Crusade, he sold all of his property. He intended to stay in Jerusalem to make it his home. He was close to De Payen, the Count of Champagne, and Bedouin, his brother. They helped in the founding of the Knights of the Templar. De Bouillon was a sort of king of kings, or at least a kingmaker of kings, since he founded the Order of Sion that could crown kings of Jerusalem. And just south of this city, Jerusalem, stands the high hill of Mount Sion. By 1099, an abbey was built on those ruins of an old Byzantine basilica at the express command of de Bouillon. Extremely well fortified. It had its own walls, towers, battlements. It was called the Abbey of Notre Dame de Mont Sion. And in 1979, Pierre Plantard said very plainly that the Priory of Sion was in possession of the treasure of the Temple of Jerusalem that was taken by the Romans during the revolt of 66 AD and it was carried off to the south of France in the vicinity of Rennes-le-Château. which is in the Da Vinci Code, Dan Brown novel. Movie coming out of that, too, very soon. The Treasury said it would be returned to Israel when the time is right. 
Now, what do you think that treasure could be? The Ark of the Covenant? We already know the Spear of Destiny is in the hands of the Hanoverian Habsburg family now, today. And it said, He who holds these relics will rule the entire world. The Illuminati believes this, and they are that close to the events that will be used to unite the world. That's why Arafat had to go, I believe. Because with the Illuminati, you are used until you are of no use. Then you're disposed of. It's the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. You're listening to A View from Space. Other groups that were interested in seeing European unity were the Western intelligence agencies. British and American intelligence. They built a network among militant Catholic and right-wing political groups. The Office of Strategic Strategies, COSS, precursor of the CIA, was under the control of William Donovan. They attempted to infiltrate the Vatican and put priests in top positions on their payroll. They did some incredible things. They also used the Society of the Jesuits, which had been involved in Catholic espionage for years. In 1948, the same year, Israel came into being. The Congress of Europe met in The Hague. The OSS became the Central Intelligence Agency. Immediately, the CIA began funding European political parties, particularly Christian Democrats, in an attempt to manipulate European governments and pull them into their grasp. Alan Dulles was involved, former head of the OSS in Switzerland, friend of von Moltke, cousins and future head of the CIA. He was the director of the Council on Foreign Relations and the future coordinator of the Trilateral Commission. George Franklin was his secretary. We even had another CIA employee, Tom Braden, as their executive director. It was because of these men that the decision was made for the United States State Department to fund the European movement, to form the EEC, the European Economic Community. Meanwhile, the CIA got itself busy funding organizations and newspapers all over Europe that were pro-Catholic and anti-communist. And a major recipient of that money was Italy's Christian Democrat Party.
which was started by the father of the future Pope Paul VI, who was also on the payroll. He was working as a spy for the OSS, then later the CIA. And the rumor uh, persists. There's also being said that Pope John Paul II was getting weekly intelligence briefings from the CIA since 78. And it was during the 60s that the CIA began distributing money to its favorite groups throughout the Vatican's own bank. And this was done with the help of that shadowy pro-Catholic anti-communist Masonic order known as P2. Berlusconi belongs to that, the Prime Minister of Italy. P2's not only got lodges in Italy, but also in France, Portugal, and Switzerland, also the United States, Nicaragua, Bolivia, Paraguay, Argentina, and Venezuela. All of this came out in the Italian press when a massive banking scandal broke out involving the official Vatican Bank, Frank Ambriazano, along with P2. The main people implicated were P2 members, Michael Sedona, a high-ranking official in the bank and P2's financier, the Lodge's Grand Master, Mr. Gelly, He was the one that was found hanging from Blackfriars Bridge in London in 82. A Masonic ritual killing. It also led to the murder of the Italian investigator, Giorgio Ambrosoli, and later Michael Sedona himself, who was a chief suspect in the other two murders. They got rid of him real quick, covering their tracks. And it's known that P2 is really under the direction of an even more powerful organization. One which former member Nino Peccarelli named as being the CIA. When that P2 scandal broke out in 81 and Mr. Gelly's property was raided, they discovered links between P2 and other organizations that were very high up within the Vatican. These included a Vatican intelligence agency called Opus Dei, which controls Vatican Radio, by the way, and also was a major contributor to Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ movie, and another group that actually claims descent from the Knights Templar, the Sovereign Military Order of the Temple of Jerusalem. This order dates back to at least 1804, and it claims to have been created by the Templars. Last Grand Master Jacques Bernalet. What a wicked web they weave. 
It's the Spaceman on the new Mojo Radio 640 Toronto. Coming up, Yasser Arafat. And the numerology of cult meaning behind his death. Spaceman on the new Mojo Radio 640 Toronto. about set to get into that Yasser Arafat story. just wanted to say in September of 93, Shimon Perez signed a secret deal with the Pope promising Vatican authority over Jerusalem's old city by the year 2000. And Perez's friend, Mark Halter, who was apparently in charge of delivering the message to the Pope, was quoted as saying the city will stay the capital of Israel, but will be administered by the Vatican. The city will have an Israeli mayor and a Palestinian mayor, both under orders from the Holy See. And a few years later, after that message was delivered, the Pope, barely able to stand, made that journey to Jerusalem to offer a formal reconciliation with the Jewish nation, apologizing for the Vatican's seemingly complicit actions with the Nazi party during the Holocaust. On March 11, 2001, Israeli President Moshe Katsav was quoted by the Bild newspaper as saying that he was firmly in favor of his country joining the European Union. France, Britain, Germany, Germany have also expressed their agreement to admit Israel into the EU. Will Israel soon be known? again as the Latin Kingdom of Jerusalem or the capital of the world? The only thing that's missing in this vision is a new Clovis, a new Dagobert, a new Charlemagne. What the Priory of Sion refers to as the Grand Monarch, the new Messianic figure who will be rallying point. for the revival of the empire. But the appearance of this figurehead will not occur until some things are settled in the Middle East. And this will inevitably develop in events that are very soon about to unfold. A European leader from a royal house with established branches all over Europe is the only sort that would be accepted by people from all European countries and North America. Every other sort of leader would be considered a despot with no mandate to rule. Can you now hear the footsteps of Prince William? The next one in line who is the successor to the Habsburg Hanoverian royal family legacy? The union of the blood of the family of Princess Diana and that of Prince Charles have brought those two houses together in one person. And a backup, Prince Harry. Within the next few years, we could be seeing the fulfillment of a millennium's worth of plotting, manipulation on the part of Europe's hidden hierarchy.
The Merovingian master plan to rebuild the Holy Roman Empire according to their own will. And you can bet that this time they're not going to give up their empire so easily. They intend this empire to last for a thousand years. Coming up, Yasser Arafat, the father of modern terrorism, who died on Thursday, not Wednesday, as a lot of people in this part of the world believe. Because they saw it on the national news before they went to bed on the 10th of November. But what they fail to realize is Yasser Arafat died in Paris, six hours ahead of us, which already made it November 11th, not the 10th. I believe myself that he had died a lot earlier. They just said he was alive and announced his death on the appropriate numbers, which they need to put into their event for greater success because that's why they bury or embed these numbers in these events to make them a success with their god Lucifer Satan and the world is not going to miss this bloody tyrant and murderer of innocent men, women and children Arafat's death contained a significant Illuminati signature. I'll cover it next on the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. It's a view from space. Radio, 640 Toronto. So Yasser Arafat, the father of modern terrorism, died November 11th. The 11th month, the 11th day, they assigned 11 to Arafat's death. It's an Illuminati signature, meaning this is a great step toward the arising of the Antichrist. The idols of the past pagan societies have been formed in the likeness of fish and birds like the phoenix rising out of the ashes. Animals like the bull, the sun, the moon, the stars. But occultists also worship science and mathematics, the underlying science. They literally believe that numbers possess inherent power. And the Satanist always places great faith in the power of numbers, especially the black magic Satanist. They believe that a carefully planned event must be carried out according to the correct sacred numbers, or it may not be successful. And they go to great lengths to make an event occur according to their sacred numbers just as they did with Arafat's death. 
A few numbers are critically important to the Satanists generally and to the Black Magic Illuminati specifically. Remember, multiplications of these numbers are also deemed sacred and powerful. Number 11, considered to be the number of the Antichrist or anything that leads to the Antichrist directly. Remember in Daniel 7, chapter 7 and 8, that the Antichrist shall be another little horn arising after the ten final kings arise in the world scene. So, ten final kings, and then one more, which is eleven. The Antichrist is the eleventh horn. Genesis 11 describes the very first attempt at a one-world government, Nimrod, building the Tower of Babel. It's Genesis 11. Eleven is assigned to events that are specifically designed to aid the Antichrist and achieve the New World Order. 9-11 attacks heavy illuministic signature of 11. The attacks were carried out in order to change the world so the Masonic Christ, the Antichrist, can appear in the future, the very near future, it seems now. Armistice Day, 11th month, 11th day, 11th hour was a huge step toward a one-world government. That was multiplied by the highest possible magnification, three. The number 13, considered to be the number of extreme rebellion against God's constituted authority. The Illuminati consider this number to be comprised of the addition of two other sacred numbers, six and seven, The number six is the occult perfect man number. A person who has achieved perfection through occult rituals and self-effort. Their quests. The number seven represents perfection. Six and seven are thirteen representing a condition of the world known as the perfected man living in a perfected world in occult circles. Now you know why the states was formed precisely with 13 colonies that have been established. While the U.S. flag has 13 alternating stripes, 7 red, 6 white. And the original flag contained two sets of 13 magnifying it by the power of two when it first started. The United States was formed to bring you closer to the New World Order. You can see them in action today in the Middle East. Occultists throughout the world knew that the Illuminati was signaling this new nation, being established to bring other nations of the world into the coveted New World Order. 
Now look again at the occult numeric signature at the end of life, illness, and the death of Yasser Arafat. Arafat died on the 11th day of the 11th month. The 11 was magnified twice. He died precisely at 3.30 a.m. They even put out a news story that corrected the time that was originally put at 4.30. Because the announcement in Paris was made at 4.30 a.m. that he had died at 3.30 a.m. And 3.30, the official time of death, is the magnification of 11 three times the highest magnification possible in the occult world. There are 33 degrees in Freemasonry. Arafat's funeral in Cairo, Egypt was held on 11-12 at 11 a.m. private ceremony at the Gala Club. Palestinian Authority agreed to pay Mrs. Arafat $22 million Annually, the double eleven. Arafat's final illness lasted 13 days. He left October 29th from Ramallah, which is an 11. And he died on the 13th day, November 11th perfectly worked out. The Illuminati controlled him right to the very end. And to allow occultists all throughout the world to see this fact, the Illuminati artificially kept him alive on life supports machines until the day and the hour which was deemed the most potent for its purpose. And in Arafat's case, it's to move the Middle East one more step closer to the chaos of World War III. The Illuminati did not want Arafat to die until Israeli Prime Minister Ariel Sharon completed his unilateral disengagement plan. This was the disengagement that was promised in the 92-93 Oslo Accords and was all dependent on Arafat fulfilling his role as an unwilling partner, which would allow Sharon to withdraw his people, to separate them from the Arabs. It was a long, drawn-out process, and the Illuminati fully controlled Yasser Arafat to make sure that he never accepted a peace plan. That was Yasser's role. So when the global Illuminati leaders realized that Arafat was going to die, they quickly revised their plans to make his death a launching pad for the completion of the unilateral withdrawal of Jews from the Arab area. So to accomplish this, the Illuminati had to quickly reinvent this terrorist named Yasser Arafat, making him into a global hero 
and a man of peace. I mean, there were completely false statements made by Jimmy Carter on his death, calling him a forceful advocate who united Palestinians in their pursuit for a homeland. He was the guy who kept them from a homeland. He got the... How does a terrorist, first of all, go from a terrorist to a Nobel Peace Prize winner? Because he received one for the Oslo Accords, and he, may, he, he signed his name, but he, he never agreed to it. But he still got the award, because you see, the Nobel Peace Prize is given out by the Illuminati. And the day of his death, I mean, he was barely in the ground at Ramallah. And Tony Blair was already overseeing George W. Planning the peace process. Because as I said earlier on A View from Space on the new Mojo Radio 640 Toronto, Ariel Sharon said he would never sit down and talk peace with Yasser Arafat. Now, Illuminati-controlled Ariel Sharon will sit down with a Palestinian representative. And the people will be given their land. More on that in a minute. It's the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Space. I'm the guy that calls Space on the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. Talking about Yasser Arafat. Or should I actually... Uh, Call him by his real name. Mohammed Abdur Raf Arafat al Qadwa al Husseini. Born in Egypt. He took the name, adopted the name Yasser, meaning easy going, and he also added Abu Amar after a companion of the Prophet Muhammad to convince people he was a Muslim. But I'm convinced. And we will never know what killed him. But I am convinced that he died of AIDS. I know the KGB put him in the position as the Palestinian Libera Liberation Organization leader. Part of Freemasonry in Russia. Freemasonry controls both sides. Ariel Sharon and the PLO leader, whoever it will be. I was just talking about the Illuminati signature in Arafat's death. He was born uh, to a wealthy family, by the way. He actually even called Jerusalem his hometown and said he was born there, but he wasn't. He was born in Cairo. That's why the body was flowing back to Cairo, to the Galah Club, for the funeral. He was carried to France, Paris, France, on a 319 Airbus. 319 equals 13, 9 and 1 and 3.
he was there for 13 days. He left October 29th and 11th. He fell into a coma five days later. The number of death. I've got something to say about the Canadian flag also. That was the only other international flag flowing at the Ramallah. Mobbing of his coffin when it went on display there just before they put it into the ground at Ramallah. It left CNN speechless. What is a Canadian flag doing waving at Yasser Arafat's funeral? Well, I think I've the answer coming up on the new Mojo Radio 640 Toronto. The Galah Club, by the way, where his funeral was held in Cairo. Was named after a British evacuation. And only uh, military and only members of heads of state were allowed into the club. The British military withdrew from Egypt in 1953. And Gala is the Arabic word for evacuation. It just happened to be located in the district of Heliopolis where Hosni Babarak lives. And they gave him a full honor, full military um, departure from France. And by the way, Paris, France is the city of Isis, Ishtar, the city of light, they call her. So I can't believe the lies that have been spoken even by guys like Jimmy Carter and people like Tony Blair. Blair said he insisted that the goal of a viable Palestinian state alongside a secure Israel is one that they must continue to work tirelessly to achieve. That's a total lie. Arafat always opposed a viable Palestinian state alongside a secure Israel because he wanted all the land and total annihilation of the Jewish race. Exactly what the Illuminati doesn't want either, a viable Palestinian state. Because you see, the goal of the illuminated ones is to annihilate all monotheistic faiths and countries. There's more coming up. It's a view from space on the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. Some of them 
by Yasser Arafat. Actually, I'm talking about Abdal Rahman Abdal Abuf Arafat Al Qud Al Husseini, which is his real name. He just picked up Yasser, meaning easygoing. So he even lied about his name. And he never, ever wanted to sign a peace deal with the Israelis in the first place, ever. That was his mandate the whole time he was head of the PLO, simply because that's what they asked him to do. They, meaning the Illuminati, the Merovingian dynasty, who control both sides. They want to wipe out countries. They want to wipe out your borders. They want a one world government. So haven't you noticed the focus of the whole world has been centered on one group of people? the Palestinians, that have no country, that want one more, more than anyone else in the entire world. They've been systematically held back from that goal on purpose so that the Illuminati can show the world that having borders only divides people. And through that, we'll light the fuse that sparks World War III, their coveted World War III, which will give rise to their Antichrist, the Masonic Christ, to stride onto the scene and save everyone. Yasser Arafat played his role perfectly, which was, at every single opportunity that arose to achieve the goal, he would say no and stand in the way. Now, when they are to be given their own land, the Palestinians, and that will be soon, they will still attack Israel, even after the land is given. And Israel will feel so cheated, so lied to, they won't take any more and having all the Palestinians in one place, the Palestinian state, they will attack. The weapon of choice? Mad Fay. M-A-D-F-A-E. The mass air delivery fuel air explosive device. It's the perfect weapon to employ. It could be launched from aircraft, helicopters, even ground vehicles. And Israel could deliver this fuel air bomb from a bunch of different launching platforms, making it more likely they could cover all the targets at once. Palestinian cities could explode as if they were hit with small nuclear devices, but they would basically be destroyed by blasts of fire instantaneously, because that's what the weapon does. 
It's appropriately named Mad Fay. Mad, M-A-D, Mass Air Delivery. Fay, Fuel Air Explosive. It's made up of 12 containers of ethylene oxide or propylene oxide. It's trailed behind helicopters or aircraft. The containers release a cloud of highly volatile vapors, which, when they're mixed with air and detonated, can cover an area of over a thousand feet long with blast pressures five times that of TNT. A surface unit is made up of an armored vehicle with 30 launch tubes for 5-inch Zuni rockets that are equipped with fuel air munitions to detonate minefields. The U.S. have a bunch of them in their inventory. You can also airdrop these. They're 100-pound canisters filled with ethylene oxide. The fuel bursts from the canisters about 30 feet above ground and disperses an aerosol cloud more than 2,500 cubic yards in volume when it's detonated a few inches above the ground by a second charge. And that blast overpressures of 300 pounds per square inch will flatten anything within a 60-foot radius and kill any troops nearby, kill anybody both above and below the ground. It's already been tested in Nam. Just a few pounds overpressure, by the way, is lethal for humans. This has got 300 pounds per square inch. It's a favorite of the Marine Corps in the Middle East. They nicknamed it Big Blue 82. Or the Daisy Cutter. It's another nickname for it. Last used heavily in Nam by U.S. Special Forces for clearing helicopter landing sites. The 15,000-pound bomb is filled with a mixture of ammonium, nitrate, aluminum, powder, and polystyrene soap. And it can only be launched from a cargo aircraft. The MC-130 Hercules will do the job. By rolling it out the rear cargo door, the bomb falls by parachute and detonates just above the ground. It produces a blast with overpressures of a thousand pounds per square inch and disintegrates anything within a hundred yards. She used to clear minefields or places for aircraft to land. If you look at a map of Israel and you see where the Jews and the Arabs live, you'll notice that the Arabs are clustered in enclaves, large and small. They're not living together. This type of clustering of population is precisely what a military commander would want to see before he launches his war of annihilation. The Oslo Peace Accords were a very clever trap by the Illuminati. They encouraged Palestinians to live in clusters, enclaves. And the Oslo Accords discouraged Jews to live amongst the Arabs. 
The Israelis knew that the Arab hatred of the Jew was so intense that it would be impossible for minority Jewish citizens to live within a group of Arabs. They'd be harassed, persecuted, and forced to leave. Can you see how easily a military commander armed with sophisticated fuel air bombs could annihilate every Palestinian living within these areas? Especially if they had their own state. So the key is to watch the physical separation of the Jews and the Arabs. If this separation includes the forcible evacuation of Jewish citizens living within the Arab's enclave, which it has, you can know this prophesied annihilation is about to begin. Carried out by using fuel air weaponry. It's very practical. A very important physical consideration would be solved. There's about three million Palestinians within Israel. The political and military leaders have to deal with some enormous problems of burial before disease sets in, killing that many people. So, if the annihilation was carried out by fuel-air weaponry, the bodies of the victims would be severely charred, burned and would delay the decay of the bodies, giving them plenty of time to bury the dead. Fuel-air weaponry will surely be the weapon of choice to fulfill this end times prophecy. It's written in Obadiah, verses 15 to 18. Yasser Arafat's death clears the way for talks between the Israeli and the Palestinian Liberation Organization. I'm back with more in a minute. It's the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. You're listening to A View from Space. Spaceman on the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. Palestinians are going to get a new leader. They're going to be talking very soon with the Israelis. Blair has already been over to see George W. Just to make sure they have all their ducks in a row. Or should I say all their Palestinians in a row? Because they're going to put that road to Middle East peace back on track very soon and the key is as I've said already is to watch the physical separation between the peoples because you see Hamas has already said has already stated that they are not going to stop doing their terrorist activities their executions It's going to continue. And when the Palestinians, it's not if, it's when the Palestinians get their own homeland, it will continue. 
which will frustrate the Israelis to no end, which will force them to attack the Palestinian nation, the new Palestinian nation. And as I've already described, the perfect weapon is the fuel air weapon system, mad faith. It will scorch the new Palestinian state out of existence. Which will, of course, infuriate the rest of the world. But I believe the world is about to witness the beginning of the judgments of the House of Esau. as foretold in Obadiah 15 through 18. And this annihilating war will spread quickly as Syria, Jordan, and Egypt will immediately launch all-out military strikes against Israel trying to destroy her from within and from without. But Israel is not going to be totally destroyed. You see, the Illuminati has included this prophecy of Obadiah 15 through 21 into their plans for the New World Order. They've got plans to use this Arab-Israeli war as the spark for their coveted World War III, which will ultimately produce Antichrist. I haven't forgotten about Korea. Those are an incredible confusion that will suddenly overtake the world as North Korea attacks South Korea with weapons of mass destruction. I'm talking nuclear warheads as American forces are rushed to aid South Korea, we might see those reinforcements ambushed by North Korean theater missiles armed with nuclear warheads. When that happens, everybody should remember that early Clinton-Carter solution to North Korea's nuclear program where former President Carter traveled to North Korea, came back with a promise from the North that sometime in the next decade they'd consider cutting back their nuclear program. This Clinton-Carter solution has to be seen as another Illuminati plot to hatch at precisely the correct time. They've been allowed to proceed in North Korea with their nuclear project. The Chinese communists will, of course, come to the aid of North Korea and will threaten American cities with nuclear destruction right over top of Canada. That's how they'll get here. If they attempt to come and help South Korea, mass media, I'm sure, is going to whip them up into such a hysteria 
hysteria of fear that that prophecy men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth the powers of heaven shall be shaken is likely to come true the Chinese attack on Taiwan another wrinkle it's all about timing all of it arriving at proper intervals. The Illuminati promised China back in 52 that she'd get Taiwan back. So while American forces are committed in the Middle East and bogged down in South Korea, China will suddenly attack Taiwan. And remember, Bill Clinton allowing China to have access to whatever modern American secret she wanted. Don't be too surprised if she doesn't attack Taiwan with neutron weaponry, alienating all the 22 million Taiwanese. Then you can cue the Arab oil embargo. and terror attacks against American cities using nuclear devices. That'll be about the time the stock markets start crashing all over the world. Panic reigns supreme. Then riots in the cities. And the Justice Department's paramilitary and police forces will be unable to keep the lid on it. George W. or Arnold Schwarzenegger will come on television to announce that he's suspending the Constitution, the U.S. form of government, and all liberties will be taken away until calm can be restored. Then he'll announce that he's asking the United Nations for troops to restore order and peace in the United States and exactly as planned, the black shirts, foreign troops will arrive in the United States to take up their positions. I'm not done yet. There's more. It's the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. It's a view from space. Back in a minute. Mojo Radio. This is 640 Toronto from the 24-Hour News Center. Here's what Toronto is talking about. A day of mourning for the father of seven children killed in a fire and little is known about one of the, of the victims of a Toronto murder-suicide. It's minus two at half past midnight. We'll hit a low of minus five. Good morning. I'm Catherine Jette. 
Mark Worland says God decided his wife and children must come home. He made the comments yesterday at the funeral for his pregnant wife and seven kids. They were killed in a house fire on Monday near St. Catherine's. Worland called his deceased wife a living sacrifice. Their children ranged in age from 19 months to 11 years. They all died of asphyxiation when their farmhouse caught fire. Toronto police are still investigating a strange murder-suicide. A 30-year-old man was found hanged with shoelaces beside the body of 24-year-old Cimarron Doncaster. Her 7-year-old son discovered both bodies. 640 Toronto's Shauna Hunt says even Doncaster's family isn't sure what their relationship was. Police say Dean Anthony Plant was from St. Lucia and had been living in Toronto illegally for the past year. Autopsy reports confirm the 24-year-old mother of three died from multiple wounds to the neck and 30-year-old Plant died from hanging. The actual relationship between the two is unknown, but a close friend of Doncaster reports she told her she was engaged and in love, but never said with who. Plant had been living with Doncaster in a basement apartment only a week before the murder-suicide. Shauna Hunt, 640 Toronto News. And the Toronto doctor is in trouble again. The 62-year-old is facing three counts of sexual assault after he allegedly touched some of his female patients inappropriately. He's already faced disciplinary action from the Ontario College of Physicians and Surgeons for similar cases, but he is still able to see patients because he's been released on bail. It is minus two at 12.32. It's a close game as the Raptors face Portland in NBA action. 640 Toronto sports and weather still to come. Give me three reasons to go to the Gentle Vasectomy Clinic. The Gentle Vasectomy Clinic is the famous home of the no-scalpel technique. I know you like that. You can combine the consultation and the procedure in one visit if you want. Very convenient. And it's covered by OHIP. How'd I do? Almost. Well, with over 4,000 vasectomies done, what else could there be? Location, location, location. Now with three locations. Downtown Toronto at Dundas and University. Also in Oakville and Peterborough. Online, check gentlevasectomy.com. Or just call 1-866-GENTLE-1. When we first met Janine a few months back, she was riddled with self-doubt. Roll tape. I just can't win. It's just really hard. Here is Janine today. I started going to Country Style on my way to work every morning. And how'd that work out for you? I get a freshly ground and brewed coffee, and with Turn Up a Winner back again, every coffee wins. How can you not feel great? Isn't that great, folks? Toronto Sports in the NBA. It looks like the game between Portland and Toronto will be going into overtime, and there's still no win for the Bulls. The Clippers got by Chicago 97-96 last night. Large crowds are expected for both CFL Division Finals today. The BC Lions have sold 53,000 tickets for their clash with Saskatchewan, and the Montreal Alouettes expect at least 50,000 for their game against the Raptors. By the way, we've got that game live with coverage starting at about 6.30 p.m. right here on the New Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. In hockey news, Owen Sound beat Brampton 3-2 last night in the OHL, and the Canadian women's hockey team down Finland 4-1. They'll face the U.S. for the title today at the Four Nations Cup in Lake Placid, New York. 640 Toronto weather. The temperature will go down to about minus 5 later on. Today we'll get lots of sun and a high of 10. It's minus 2 at the corner of Young and Dundas at 1234. I'm Catherine Jete with Toronto's news every 30 minutes and breaking news when it happens. This is Toys for Boys. 
Long before Apple came out with the iPod, Creative, already famous for their Sound Blaster series, introduced the Nomad Jukebox, the first hard drive-based MP3 player. It was a bit bigger than a portable CD player, but held at the time a whopping 5 gigs of storage. A lot has changed since then in the marketplace, and now iPods dominate. However, recently, Creative introduced its ZenTouch player, which will take a stab at Apple's market share. The player itself is a 20-gig hard drive-based player that features a touchpad for scrolling through options and songs. What separates this slightly bulky player from its competition, aside from the superior sound quality, is its better battery life. On a complete charge, the ZenTouch lasts up to 24 hours. The software is also better, in my opinion, than iTunes. Oh, and the price on this gadget is also very competitive. For more info, you'll want to check out creative.com. Toys for Boys. Mojo Radio is 640 Toronto. Your news, your views, your city. Listen online at 640toronto.com. The opinions expressed on the show do not necessarily reflect those of the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. Prepare for a journey to places you didn't know existed. This is A View from Space with Gary Bell, only on the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm trying hard to do the things it takes to be a Talking about Arafat, his position being filled by someone who Ariel Sharon will have to sit down and speak with and hammer out a peace plan, which will include a Palestinian homeland state. The attacks will continue. Israel will become fed up and attack Palestine, the new state. And of course, all hell will break loose in the Middle East. North Korea will then attack South Korea. China will go after Taiwan. Terrorist attacks in America. Then, as I've already described, the president, whoever it is, possibly Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator, will come on television and terminate the American Constitution, terminate the U.S. form of government, terminate all liberties, until, of course, calm can be restored. Then he will announce that the United Nations are sending their black shirt troops to restore order and peace. And foreign troops will be in America killing Americans. Then suddenly, amidst this unbelievable war, carnage and panic and spiritual chaos, a Superman will appear. East of Jerusalem, riding a donkey, 
and claiming to be the Messiah. Far-fetched? Is it? Cue the Merovingian bloodline. He'll be accompanied by lying signs and wonders as his procession proceeds into Jerusalem and onto the Temple Mount where he'll be enthroned and anointed with oil as the Messiah. And he'll be standing amidst the rubble of the Dome of the Rock. Because once all Palestinians are annihilated, global Freemasonry can clear the rubble from the earthquake collapse or the bomb collapse or the possible harp attack collapse of the Dome of the Rock and begin building, rebuilding Solomon's Temple for the third time on its traditional Temple Mount. The Antichrist on the world scene will have been birthed through the final birth pangs of World War III. Pauline, you're on with the Spaceman. It's the new Mojo Radio 640 Toronto. Hi. Hi. Um, spaceman, um, mm-hmm. I'd like to make a comment about sure. Oslo. Sure. Go right ahead. Oslo. The Oslo Peace Plan. Yeah, yeah Peace Plan. Mm-hmm. I read an article somewhere. It's called Break Away. And it was written by Richard Pearl and I believe also Wolfowitz, Paul Wolfowitz, mm-hmm. in which they were advising Ariel Sharon how to get out of this uh, binding Oslo Accord. So, they suggested him to, you know, make some kind of, a, uh, how should I say, an act, some action that, that may um, anger the, the Palestinian. And that was the incident when Ariel Sharon went in the, on the Temple Mount Mosque, and that's when the Second Intifada started, I guess. Right, I recall that. So mm-hmm. the thing is that uh, saying that... Uh, all, all ever, very, very, very... Uh, I want to say that was a very orchestrated play, by the way. Right, that's what I'm saying. Okay. So it's not the Arafat who did not stick to the uh, Oslo Accord conditions or, or principle, whatever they have laid down at that time. Mm-hmm. It was planned by the neocons in the Bush government to help uh, Ariel Sharon, and that's what was the real cause of it. And another thing, you saying that um, Yasser Arafat is the father of the modern-day terrorism, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, uh, terrorists, what would you say to those well, who Well, he, he would call himself a freedom fighter. That's, right. where, that's where you're going. I know you're going there no, with but that. I'm asking but I'm what I. All right. That when, uh, how, what would you call those who go and attack other people's country and occupy them? Uh, aren't the people well, who are being occupied have the right to resist? Well, yes, and of course they do. Now, wait a, wait a moment, though. You're assuming that they are both standing for their people. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the stand mm-hmm. that Ariel Sharon does not represent the Jewish people and that Yasser Arafat did not represent the Palestinians. They are, in fact, puppets of the Merovingian dynasty. The 
Illuminati. But you're, have you're put worried. them up to this and control both sides, so, Pauline. Okay. If, I, uh, if I take... Can you see that? I, I can see it. Okay. But what I'm saying is your words were more harsh for Arafat than for Ariel Sharon. And also, you tend to forget, if uh, you were saying that he killed many innocent people, but Ariel Sharon killed... Uh, but they, they, they have both, the old, they both done the no, same please, thing. Please, let me do, I'll forget otherwise. Uh, do you remember the Sabra Shatila case when Ariel Sharon killed many, many thousand people in the camp? Oh, sure. So, so they're equally killers. You know, why is oh, I, I, I agree totally. For one person and not the other. Do you know what it tends to do? It tends to create hatred here among people. It, it really does. One should have to weigh the word very carefully for both sides. Well, especially hey, if you I, do. And I'm, I'm about to take this one step farther, Pauline. Pauline, I'm about to take this one step farther and say that Sir Winston Churchill was also a mass murderer. Right. Okay. So if you if you believe that they are be, both being used by a third party, I agree. Then you have to use the word very carefully for both of these puppets. You know what I mean? Well, sure. But so, uh, but I have also stated that Ariel Sharon. I believe, is also Illuminati-controlled. No, but the, the, this is just the one word you use. You never use that he also a mass murderer. Well, he is. And, and also and so is, and so, and, and so is Adolf Hitler, and so is uh, Harry Truman. But why didn't you say so? Is well, I'm saying so now, Pauline. Okay, and also... But I can't cover everything at once. No, but I am dealing with the uh, death of Yasser Arafat. And you keep saying about harsh word about the one person and not the other, mm -hmm. then it gives a very unbiased impression to the person who's listening to you. But if you've listened to this show before, you know that I... And I, am, I was amazed what you're doing, you know, like I, I always tend to agree with the most of the things that you say, but this time I'm listening so carefully, and actually you woke me up in the sense that I was listening, you know, in a half sleepy mood, mm -hmm. because it's quite late time of the night, mm -hmm. but it practically shook me up, mm -hmm. and I said, I have to call. I have to call. And also to remind you another point, just to bring another point, uh, Menachem Begum, when Israel was fighting, let's say, for their own statehood uh, under the British rule, was considered terrorist by British. But he himself considered himself as a freedom fighter. So why can't we choose but, to but give the same again. status to other people who are being crushed by the occupying forces? Yes. And same and is true for Iraq. Yeah. Same is true for Afghanistan. I don't understand why Absolutely. Media why the whole media, I, and I don't like to hear this from you at least, because my favorite program is using harsh words, I just couldn't take it. I usually count on you to come with a more fair approach to the thing. But today what I'm listening is really not, not very pleasing to me at least. All the media here is so biased. Constantly they are terrorists, they are insurgents, they are everything but the freedom fighter or the resistors. Right, but you understand this, Pauline, that I believe both sides are wrong. And I've stated that over and over on this show, that they're all puppets. But the Illuminati, you will not get to be the leader of any of these countries unless you are controlled by them. Alan, go ahead. You're on with uh, myself and Pauline on the new Mojo Radio 640. Oh, can I talk to two people now? 
You don't have to. No, no you no, don't no, have no, to, no, Pauline. No, Let's no, just no, listen. No, Let's just it's listen okay. to what he says. It's okay. Uh, yeah, very briefly. I, I, I enjoy your show greatly, and I can see Arafat and even Sharon, and I'm a supporter of Israel, I'm afraid to say, the lady, uh, being puppets of Illuminati. I will say one thing, because one thing... No, wait a minute. Don't, don't, don't just breeze over that. You are, you are agreeing with me that Sharon is also controlled? You know what? They're, they're, he, he's been so uh, uh, reckless in some of the things he's done that... that you I, have to I believe that, that, right? I could see that, yeah. Oh, okay. You can see that, Pauline. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, but I want to say one yeah, thing. Yeah, but use the same harsh word that you're using for Arafat. Then okay. I'll be happy. Well, they're both <laughs> mass murderers. I'll, I'll say they're both mass murderers now. And I'll throw in uh, a Winston Churchill. Your word makes a big difference in creating a hatred people here well, are not to create the hatred. That's what my point is, basically. Go ahead, Alan. Yeah, very yes. briefly. I just wanted to say one thing, and I'd like anyone to just Google. Uh, she mentioned Sabra and Shatila, okay? She just mentioned uh, that Ariel Sharon massacred the Arabs there in the Palestinian refugee camp, which is a total lie. Because anyone who will do, I, tell anyone to do a Google search, Christian Phalangist, okay, the Israeli, uh, Israeli army, let out flares and let the Christian Arab Phalangist massacre 2,000 or 4,000 Palestinians. It is a fact of history. So if you want to... Uh, okay, why did they let them do it then? Uh, you know what that's saying? It is to their advantage. It is to their advantage. they did it. You're admitting right now that... No, no, I'm just... No, I'm not... Well, it builds I, the hatred. It builds the hatred, Pauline, and that's why it was done. This is what you're saying, so I'm saying why did they let them do it then? It's not that I'm admitting... I don't know. You know, Jeffrey... And also, let me tell you one more thing. No, since you are claiming me to be the hatred... How many forces in the world who occupy other countries go house to house to... to, to India and Kashmir. Yeah. The Hindus of India and Kashmir. They do the same thing. Turkey. All Turkey. the occupying forces are doing this. Why are... Rush, have you ever seen any Muslim country doing that? No. No. no I, yeah, you're right. Saddam no. Hussein... Saddam Hussein only killed, what, two, four hundred thousand Arabs? No, that's again, there's right. a mistake. Right, right. That, that was during the war, not going house oh, to house. Right, house not to house. Not right, because the war, because the war is better. And safety within their own confines. Right, five thousand Kurds he killed. Or Syria, you that's know. That's what you say. Three thousand people who died. Who provided the ammunition and who, who supported the Saddam at that time? Uh, the French. The French and the Germans supplied everything, and the Americans came Americans. Right. Americans. Right? Well, you're Americans. talking about the... Wait, wait a second. When you're talking about the Germans and the French, you're talking about the Merovingian bloodline here. Oh, yeah. You know what? It's amazing. You know, uh, as a Jew, I know what happened in Germany in the, 19, you know, the 1940s. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know what? What I like about your show is you, you don't make things up, okay? Even if things seem a bit strange, okay, you have a lot of basis and you have research. And I'd say pick up a book. There's a book by uh, Kenneth Timmerman who talks about the arms trade in the world. And he traces bit by bit how it was German companies who supplied whole chemical oh, sure. yes. systems to them. Yeah. And French, Mr. Chirac, who had the nice state funeral for uh, France, is one big Halliburton. You think Halliburton's bad. All of France is one big Halliburton. They supplied Israel with our nuclear weapons. I'd like to thank him for that. But they also supplied uh, Saddam Hussein. And you know what? From that point of view, I'd, I'd like your opinion actually on France because I see a, it's a major power play. The fact that they put on Arafat's uh, uh, funeral to me seems to be, if anything, 
because of what the United States is doing in Britain, there seems to be a major power play. But uh, again, you know, this whole simplistic thing that it's the U.S. that came in and supplied, it, it's just not true. I mean, read their 800-page mm -hmm. books. Yeah. Well, France, you know is, France is playing their role to the hilt, and so is America. And you know okay, they, have I, this, I agree. they have this hatred going. And it is black magic versus white magic. What, what is yeah, that's in a nutshell, right. But what I'm saying is don't excuse America so easily either. Of course not. Look what you're doing, what what you're doing in Iraq right now. Blaming all the, all the, putting all the blame, excuse me, on France and Germany. And, and this, is, this brings me another thing to my mind. People who have suffered under Hitler or during the Second World War themselves have turned uh, just the same towards oh, other nations. That's that? a very That's sad fact of history. Perhaps this is a psychology that the, that the abused child uh, really? turned out to be. Right. We're sending Palestinians into the ovens. We're killing six million. This is such a sick ploy in the Muslim world, I'm sorry to say. Mm -hmm. And you know what? You're going to fuel the hatred. When you say that we turn into Nazis, it is not only an insult to every Jew no, and any non-Jew. It is, the idiotic, it is an idiotic statement. It's comical. You have said that the six million Jews and the people who are put into ovens and the Arab world, which deny major parts of the Arab world don't even believe a Holocaust happened. So you're saying that the Israelis, because they're occupying a country, they've become the Nazis. The only people in the Middle Not East... Not occupying. Who you can see day in and day the out the way they yeah, the the running around. And, and, and the air attack and all these things. And even uh, uh, a spaceman a minute ago pointed out Israeli would get fed up and what kind of a weapon would they use? Mad FA. And this it just tells you we what is going weapons. to do to that region. We have nuclear weapons. It's Israel has not used it. If it has to use it, when one of your nutballs. So tell okay. me, why these keep the, all these Americas and European countries, and, and including Israel, although it's not uh, declared openly, uh, but we all know that he has. Oh, yeah, we do. Why these people keep developing so horribly uh, destructive deterrent weapons? Effect. It's called the deterrent effect. Because, deterrent effect. Deterrent because in Algeria, you are afraid of because now because in Algeria there's been a Holocaust. Simply in the because Sudan. they don't have any decent weapons, so they fight back to their own life. Pauline, Gary, Allen, Pauline Allen, I thank you so much, for both of you, for the calls. I thank you so much. It's a spaceman on the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. Back with more in a minute. I'm the guy they call Space. It's the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. All right. Um, got a minute left. Canadian flag. Arafat. Ramallah. You saw it? Millions did. No. Possibly billions. Because that was shot around the world. What did it all mean, the Canadian flag at Arafat's coffin? Well, if you look closely at the Canadian flag, it's an 11-pointed maple leaf. That's 11 that was the only way to get the number 11 embedded into that shot that went around the world where billions saw it, but secretly. Red and white are the colors of Egypt's pharaohs. 
the eleven-pointed maple leaf was red. That means an alive maple leaf is green. A red maple leaf is dead. That's why you saw the Canadian flag at the Arafat conference. This is the new Mojo Radio, 640 Toronto. Coast to coast next time, space. I'm out.